everyone, Daniel Ramsey here with my outdoors. I'm super excited. And today we have a special guest. I'm really excited because it's a niche upon a niche upon a niche. It's like the the highest level of niches. And today we have Laurel Stark and and her I'm trying to read her resume. It's impressive. Awards, designations, but here's the thing. Today she's going to add value to you and teach you about the divorce niche. I've just heard tons and tons and tons of great things for years about my outdesk. So I've never gotten to meet you personally. So I'm excited that, uh, that we get to be acquainted. I yeah, know. I mean, everybody in the everybody in the world in, in the my real estate world uses has used my outdesk and your services for years. So yeah, we're uh, and and what we focus on this is crazy cool too is what we focus on is helping people double their real estate practice, which yeah. is why having you on here is so awesome because we always teach people have a niche. I'm a real estate broker. My niche was investors. Like I was super deep into like, what's your return on investment? You know, how, what's your cap rate? All that kind of crazy lingo. But I was not a divorce person. I, I know nothing about this niche. So I'm really excited. I'm Laurel. Uh, here's the thing. She wrote, a, she wrote a book, Divorcing the House. I, is that the book that we're that, that we're going to talk about today? That, the house matters is what we're going to talk about. The house matters, and yeah. and what's cool about this is it's super complex. There's a lot of legalese, and she's going to dumb it down so a silly real estate broker like me can understand it, and hopefully you can too. What's crazy too, and, and what I love about having you on the show is that you actually founded the Divorce Real Estate Institute. So. Let's talk about that journey. What was that like to find, you know, to found an entire institute around this niche that you now love and teach and train around the country and, you know, I'm real estate all over the world, right? Yeah. So I, um, so sort of to understand where I am today, you have to understand where I, you know, where I've been for, for, for 14 years. So um, as I got into, you know, uh, like I indicated when I first began, I, there was just, there was no education available. Um, the more I got into it, so if you think, I got into the business in 2005 and then the market crashed and I'm in Southern yep. California. I'm at ground zero in the Inland Empire of Southern California for for short sales and for, you know, the, the distressed market. Um, I think Vegas, Phoenix, Detroit, us, you know, we were all right there. Um, lots yep. of Florida as well. So uh, I, I, I kept getting these divorce listings and, and they're underwater and they haven't made payments and they're subject to foreclosure and they've got first loans, second loans. Um, they want to do deeds in lieu, like all of these stuff, it got really complicated. So I, I'm like, well, I need to know. And I learned and understood um, at a high level, our uh, foreclosure and all of our like deficiency judgment, all of that kind of mumbo jumbo. And I yeah. realized the more I got into it, I realized family law attorneys, don't know this stuff at a high level and they are advising their clients to do things that are just flat out not right and it doesn't come from a place of being um you know trying to trying to harm anybody it's just they simply don't know they don't live and breathe the real estate world like we do um they've got lots and lots of stuff they need to know and understand as divorce attorneys uh custody and business valuations and domestic violence you name it they've got their whole world um, but what they don't do is live and breathe real estate. So I realized um, back then that 
I, ha I was gaining a skill set and a knowledge that I needed to share it with them. And I needed to educate the family law community on, you know, on all of these things. And that has just never stopped. I mean, it was, that was our market then. And, you know, now our market now has, has changed and they still need a lot of education. So, I mean, right now it's, you know, hero loans, pace loans, solar liens, all of that stuff's plaguing our business right now, right? Like, you know, what even is this? They're putting huge snafus into our, into our transactions. So I've just done some education to them on that. Um, anyway, I, as I, as I have built my journey, um, I've known and I've recognized that there is an entire skill set that realtors have, and there is a lot of knowledge and tools that we also have that the family law community needs to make lawyers better lawyers, to help streamline processes so that courts are not as clogged with issues that can be put out by a knowledgeable realtor being on a case. And ultimately, so that home, divorcing homeowners are, are, are set up for the best success possible. Um, we're not gonna make their pain go away, but what we can do is help to mitigate the damage that's being done by the colossal, um, uh, event of a divorce. And so I knew if my community needed this, like what I've been able to provide, I knew that there were communities all over the nation that needed it. So I always knew at some point I'd get to the place where I could package what all I've learned and turn around and teach it to our industry because our industry needs it. And so does the family law industry. So that's okay. what the Divorce Real Estate Institute is all about. It's all about. I love it. Okay. But if for the audience, because everybody is going to get a copy of this video, everybody, how, I mean, why would I choose divorce as a niche? Talk me into it. Like, help me understand what is the opportunity? What can I expect? What's the work around doing it? Like, like tell me why divorce is where it's at. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think people need to really ask themselves that because it is certainly not for everybody um, right. at all. And so just like everybody shouldn't be parents, <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody right. shouldn't do this. Uh, so it is, um, you know, there are definitely pros and cons to this. So what I will tell you, the ugly part first is that um, it's, it's messy. These are very complex listings. Yes. Uh, they are under the jurisdiction of the court. Um, there are emotions that we need to know and we need to manage. It's a lot of drama and drama management. You're a uh, therapist. You're a therapist, yeah. a realtor, and part attorney slash part what? Yeah, legal expert. So in the in the legal world, they they depend on experts and, and their term expert, I just want to throw it out, like their term expert is not, you know, our term. We use it as a marketing term, they use it as a legal term. So huh. uh so the legal community depends on experts. So it's really about being a legal expert to, to, to them. We're not attorneys. I'm not an attorney, never went to law school. Um, but it's, it's, so it's really, uh, it's, it's really understanding that when you get into these, into these cases, um, they are, they're, they're complicated. They take a lot of hard work. It's not, you know, this necessarily this, it's not a happy time for them. Um, so this isn't about, you know, 
that euphoric moment when you get to deliver keys to, you know, yeah. first time home buyer and right. it's just, you know, you get their picture on social media, you know, this isn't that. So right. um, it really takes someone who is drawn to, to complex issues, um, who's good at problem solving, who's good at, um, at, at working through a big, huge puzzle. And you're kind of, you're kind of driving, I guess it's the difference between somebody who, um, just wants to go to the gym every day versus somebody who wants to run the Ironman, right? Like, right. I don't know why anybody would ever want to run the Ironman, but there are people that do. So, uh, so this is for the marathon runners. This is for the Ironman, uh, you know, uh, people, because it's, it, that's what it really is. It's about people who want to push past their limits. Um, so, uh, there's that in terms of a business model, it is, um, you know, we as realtors are always trying to look for things, uh, you know, how can we set ourselves apart? How can we be any different? And rather than, uh, being one of 40 phone calls, uh, that an expired listing gets, um, and it being like this, you know, massive numbers game, um, uh, what I did is I sort of took it and I inverted that. So in other words, you know, if you have a farm or you have a database or something like that, and you're looking to market to a thousand people so that you can get maybe 15 deals out of a thousand people a year, or whatever the numbers are, um, it, it's really marketing to a small group. It's marketing to 50 people or a hundred attorneys that each have the capability of giving you multiple uh, transactions in any right. Well, yep. let's talk about let's talk about like um, how you do that because I think uh, another thing I want everybody to know is Laurel's giving some stuff away, which I'm really excited about. Uh, you've got a marketing plan that you're going to give away, as well as an intake form. So when a lead comes in that is a divorce scenario, you can kind of organize who they are and what their time frame is. So I'm excited about that. But so your niche allows you to just have a smaller database with divorce attorneys, basically. Yeah. And it really is something that is, it's going to, it transcends um, market fluctuations. Um, you know, when the market is, when the market's down or when we're in a distressed market, uh, people, you know, have to sell because they can't afford to, uh, they're not in a position to buy. Right now we have a problem or divorcing homeowners have an issue because there's so much equity we are in, we've, we've recovered. Um, but for a party who wants to keep the house, there's almost too much equity for them to be able to buy out the other spouse. Yeah. So it's, it really tends to, um, to be a bit of a steady current, um, in and amongst, you know, our fluctuations and waves in the, in the industry. Um, so, so from a business model standpoint, you know, I can tell you, I experienced that, uh, firsthand, uh, that my, my business has not taken dips, uh, based on market fluctuations. So, um, so there's that. And, you know, it just becomes when, when we get on a case, I, I get court appointed on it. So the parties are ordered by the court, uh, to list the property with me. Um, so it takes out a lot of, you know, like competition, you know, you're competing for listings and, and all of that sort of thing. So the motivation is very high. Um, as a result, I close, um, you know, 99% of the listings that I take. So, um, 
and probably for a full fee, six percent or or a, a higher. You're you're never having that commission conversation. Like, what have you done for me lately? You're providing a court appointed required service to a to a seller. Yeah, I mean, personally, you know, I do not inflate my fees, but I also don't discount my fees. So. Um, you know, you're hiring a specialist. And so we all know what that means, right? You go to, I mean, a, you know, a cardiologist is going to cost more than a, a general practitioner. Um, so it's the same type of thing. Um, I, you know, I, but like I said, I don't, I don't charge a premium. Um, I just, I, I charge my full amount and I don't discount. And that's, you know, that's, that's helpful. What, um, just so the audience has an idea um, if somebody wanted to launch this niche, um, what could they expect in a normal, you know, major market? There's about a hundred across the country um, that have a, a decent size, like half a million to a million folks in their market. Um, wh like what is a normal, like I'm, I'm not doing, let's say I'm not doing divorce right now. I hire you and we do some work together. And six months later, I've got this practice, this little niche I create a website. Now I've got all of my branding together. What would I expect in terms of a uh, normal, you know, business flow every month? Three to five listings, ten listings. Like what? What would I normally expect? Yeah, I mean, so you know, I um, I, I always say that you get out of it obviously what you put into it, right? Yep. Um, this is marathon. Uh, this this is marathon business building. So this isn't, you know, you get um, quick internet leads, even internet leads have what an incubation of six to nine months, I believe something like that. Yes. I mean, that's even yes. internet leads. So we're talking about building very strong relationships in a legal community um, that takes a while to break into, right. but the long-term effects are, are um, you know, are, they continue to reward. I just went on a vacation. I was gone for two weeks. I came back to five new listings. Uh, last week. So it's, um, you know, and I haven't really done much marketing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, but I've been around for a really long time. Um, so it, our, our students, what we're finding is that our students tend to, within the first year, they're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of between, you know, three and five listings, and then it just compounds every single year. So oh, yeah. this is, yeah, this is definitely sort of, you know, long-term 401k investing, mutual fund investing, right? Um, right. Where, you, where you make your business and you get the rewards over a long-term compound effect. You know, it's interesting, um, since Amazon just today, like literally today. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, announced Reology. that, yeah, they're entering in the real estate world with Reology. Um, I think the other thing to point out that's really important about this particular niche is, um, you know, it, it can't get disrupted. Like, right. this is not going to go away. Yeah. Now, you know, a standard transaction where there's happy buyers and sellers, that, that, you know, could change, maybe have margin compression, you know, commissions might go down, you know, a robot might be on the other side, like Redfin, you know, like, so there's a lot of, you know, friction that these companies are disrupting that just simply can't get disrupted in this particular niche. Is that, that's your perspective too, right? hundred um, percent. In fact, it's, it's even an, a step further than that. And I would say this is an opportunity to be a disruptor. 
Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, we, as the real estate community, we need to take hold and, and really disrupt what's been going on in family law for all these years. And, and that's what I've done in my industry. Um, my, my community here, my family law community, uh, behaves very differently in, uh, in the way that they approach and handle the sale of the, of the house than they do in most other communities nationwide. And I know that because I train and teach realtors all over the country and I mentor realtors all over the country. And I know exactly what's going on throughout the country and how these, how divorce attorneys and courts are handling the sale of the house. How it's how they used to do it in my community until I came in and educated them and, and taught them that there's a better way. So um, I just, yeah, go ahead. I disrupted my own community. That's, that's an, that's a really interesting point. Um, how do you connect with attorneys? Like as a realtor, like honestly, I used to try to avoid attorneys. So I'm just going to be clear. Like yeah. when my a buyer registered on my website, you know, back in the day, a uh, big shout out to Boomtown. They were my CRM of choice. Too. Right? Yeah. You. That, you know, Greer sold me properly Love. back, back Love. in the day. Um, when an attorney jumped on my website, I just kind of said, Oh, thank you very much, but we don't serve your kind. <laughs> <laughs> How do you build relationships in that, in that particular niche yeah. attorneys as a realtor and, and do it effectively to drive revenue. I mean, that's, yeah. that's so a you, big deal. Yeah. So you sort of have to be, um, you know, the guy that sort of runs into the fire rather than running out of it, but you have to kind of embrace yep. that instead of run away from it. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing for us realtors to know is that, um, is that you know lawyers are not and they'll they'll be the first to tell you as soon as you can you know sometimes get that ego to come down a little bit but uh they'll be the first to tell you they are not that know-all end-all be-all they don't understand the guts of a real estate transaction there's no possible way that they can understand real estate at the level that we do right. um so it's not to be intimidated by that it's really to own and appreciate and understand what we have to offer them. And so when you, when you realize, you know, what we as realtors, um, what we as realtors know and what they need from us, um, that becomes very empowering. And then it sort of takes the fear down. Uh, it sort of takes those barriers down because then it's like, well, we can walk in because you know what? We are the experts. They're not, we are. Uh, so, so I think it's number one, overcoming that. But the second thing I'd say is that building relationships with, with attorneys, um, it is a very different approach than building relationships with, you know, uh, your neighbor or, or a farm or an, you know, an online or a consumer, a, or consumer. a consumer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, lawyers, um, they are academics first and foremost. They hold themselves right. um, and anybody around them to a high standard. You're, you're walking into a world of, of highly educated people. Judges are right. highly educated. Lawyers, as well as um, they're used to working with forensic accountants who are highly educated, with psychologists, forensic psychologists who are highly educated. So, um, you know, and they place a value on higher education. Yes. So um, they, they expect that everyone that they surround themselves with is an expert. Um, so it, I, I really try to stress to, to people who are getting into this, um, you know, there are two questions I get asked. It is, 
how do I lead generate? That's 90, 80 to 90% of the number one question. How do I lead generate? And the second one is how do I handle the drama? What do I do with a listing when I get it? Right. And I would say it's that, that we need, we need to kind of flip that. We need to do our research, do our homework, educate ourselves before we go out there and lead generate because they're going to smell a lead generate. This isn't just like master your scripts, pound the phone. Mm. Um, this is about really understanding what you're doing uh, and then, and then going out and doing it. That's what they did. They didn't, they didn't hang a shingle and then get a case, walk through the door and then figure out what they were going to do with that case. Right. Right. They got, right. they got a law degree. They went to school for seven years and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars before they ever hung a shingle. So, right. um, so that's, that's really the first thing. The first step is know what you're doing, know what you're getting into. I love it. I, um, I was listening to another podcast cause I I'm, I'm a nut with podcasts, right? Yeah. There was this quote and I loved it. So I want to share it cause I think it's applicable to your world. Um, dissatisfaction erupts when reality and expectations are not aligned. Like the reality of the world and your yeah. expectation when they're not aligned dissatisfaction. And I think, I think that would probably be, um, you know, the challenge in your niche, which would be setting proper expectations, not only for the attorneys, but for your sellers and negotiating the emotional impact of, you know, my whole life is changing now. And there's nothing more devastating than having your children be split and, selling all of your assets and get, you know, like that. I can't imagine. can't imagine it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, and there, there's, you know, there are studies that even just, um, you know, what it does emotionally and mentally to the mind, um, even temporarily in that, in that time is, is very devastating. So it's knowing how to, how to reconcile and how to work with these personalities that are going through something that are, that's, that's not their normal and, and they're not behaving normally. They always say that uh, in family law, people show up at their, at their worst and in criminal law, they show up as their best. Yeah. So, so it really, yeah, it, it really is knowing that. And, you know, and that begins from step one. So when, 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 when we get a, when, when my office, when I get a, when we get a phone call that, you know, I've been brought into a case or I've been referred to a case or whatever. I mean, that very first conversation is different than in a traditional listing. I think we nailed it. What's interesting about this interaction is you don't have to sell. That's what I'm, that's what I'm like. You're not even in the space where you're trying to convince me that you're the person, you, you, no time frame, no highest in dollar. I, like when I'm calling for a listing, I'm like, look, I'm going to net you the most money. We're going to sell it fast. I'm the person, I'm the expert in the world, but you had to do none of that in that, in that interaction. Why, why is that? Like what, especially if you're not on the order. So and, and your answer is correct, by the way. There's usually three calls I get. So either I am appointed by the court, I am the court's expert. I'm appointed under a certain evidence code. Right. Um, the second one is the order says the parties need to sell their house and the parties are ordered to, to list with Laurel Starks. That just right. says that they're ordered to use me. That's it. Um, and then the third one is, just like what you said, the house has to be sold, but there's not a, there's not a, no, no agents in the, in the order. 
And that's so, probably when both parties agree to actually do the deed of selling the house, correct? Yeah, so in the scenario with you, which I would say is probably about 20% of the calls that I get. Okay. Uh, in the scenario with you, um, I don't know based on what you and I just said, if you guys have agreed to use me or not, right. I, I don't know. You just called up and said that I was referred by your attorney. Uh, yeah. I am going to proceed under the assumption that I'm agreed to. Ah. And so, um, so I'm just going to proceed until I'm told otherwise that I'm not, you know, that they're, that you guys are maybe interviewing or something like that. Um, but most of the time, you know, by the time we kind of get down the road, if you guys are, you know, I've already, I've already gotten it. The other thing that I would do, um, that's a little bit different is assuming that I am the one, um, that, that you guys choose. I actually send out something uh, called a stipulation that I have, uh, that I, with my attorney, we created a long time ago. And it is something that does make me um, appointed by the court. So I'll say, you know, at some point, like, we would get to the point where I would say, okay, well, um, I'm going to send out a stipulation for it to be circulated through counsel um, so that I can be appointed under 730. And there's all kinds of reasons we won't get into about that. And, but And that's because you don't want, even though everybody agrees to you now, a listing document is, or a listing um, contract is not, like they can cancel that at any time versus a court order, a stipulation that is signed by both parties, that requires them to go to court to get it to get it overturned and that's why you want it. So no, that's, that's one reason. I would say that the other big reason too is that when we as, as agents, when we have a listing agreement, mm -hmm. our, our agreement begins and ends with the parties. That's it. It just okay. begins and ends with them. So then uh, fast forward, I have husband tells me um, I want to accept the offer and wife tells me I don't want to accept the offer. Right. As a listing agent, my duty begins and ends with these two. Right. I'm stuck. Right. If I am ordered by the court, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm appointed by the court, I actually have a duty at that point to, to communicate with counsel. And if we still can't do it, if counsel cannot make an agreement, then we need to go to court. I need to write a report. I need to testify to the court. Right. So it brings me in and makes me part of the case. Does that make sense? It does. And I guess my question would be then, do you then get a court appointed appraisal so that if you have an offer for above appraised price, it just automatically gets accepted and you move down, down the road? I mean, I would set it up like that if I could. Well, automatically gets accepted means that it, we still have to have everything executed, right? We still have to have right. everything signed. So sometimes what can happen is if the court, the, the court ultimately has the power, ultimately has the power to evict someone out of the house. So you, Daniel, you're living in the house. Right. You start to sabotage the sale and you start to go against court orders. The court actually has the ability to remove you from the list from the house completely and right. turn over the possession to Ms. Ramsey. Yeah. Um, they also have the ability to sign all of the documents on your behalf. So the court can literally kind of take you and just kind right. of plunk you over there. Um, but there's a process to getting that done. It doesn't just happen, you know? Right. And it's process. probably a long process. I, real quick, does this, does this niche have 
significantly longer, um, what I call a cash conversion cycle, like from lead to close, is that a longer process than a standard consumer driven deal? Yeah, I would say it does. Um, overall, if you're looking at overall, does it? Right. Yes, I would say that it does because a lot of times we're, we're working on trying to get cooperation and work, working through a lot of conflicts um, right. throughout the process. So I would say it definitely does. What I try and do is, and this is what I teach, is to resolve as many com conflicts as possible up front before we ever go on the market. So Manage that's the expectations. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't, the last thing we want to do is we is get a buyer in, in the loop. And now they've got a contractual obligation to a buyer. So now right. their, you know, their legal obligations have just gone up. Increased, yeah. Increased. And then we still have all these, con you know, these, these conflicts that could have been potentially um, put out in the beginning. So I try to, I try to get as much of that done as possible. I'm guessing in the Divorce Real Estate Institute, you also provide disclosures for buyers who would be buyers to make sure they're aware that this is a divorce and that you're acting in an official capacity for the court and that the transaction may take longer. I'm guessing there's a ton of kind of paperwork that you have to disclose to the other party. Yeah, that's a slippery slope because I also don't want to... Um, for privacy. Yeah. Number one, I don't want to, uh, my job is to get them the highest net proceeds for the house. Right. So I don't want to create hurdles um, that I don't even necessarily know we're going to have. I don't want to create those hurdles for buyers um, and, and turn people away so that we can't procure the highest and best offer. So I don't disclose in the beginning for that. The second thing is that um, I also, it's also a privacy concerns, right? So they don't want their neighbors to all know. They don't want the community to know. It's not my place to disclose for them. Um, when I do disclose, it becomes when we start to get into some real issues and we have to go into court. At that point, I need to disclose it to the buyers because they need to understand um, that there is this process. And um, you have a fiduciary responsibility to even the buyers, even if you're not yeah. representing them. Okay, quick question. Um, back to the model, because we only have about five, 10 more minutes left. Yeah. And so then we're, we're, we're definitely, if you're listening and you want in this post at the bottom, there's a little thing where you can download your marketing plan and the intake form. And we did a little role play, which was super fun. Um, and if you register with us, Laurel has agreed to give away the, for the first five people, a copy of her book. So let's talk about the book real quick and what you put into it. I just finished a book. I put my heart and soul into it. I'm sure you did wow. the same on yours. So let's tell the audience what they get if they decide to register and actually learn more about this particular niche. So The House Matters in Divorce is a book that I wrote for the consumer. Um, okay. I, I, it, I wrote it basically to divorcing homeowners so uh, that they can be, again, better served. Um, what I found is that realtors are the number one purchaser of the book. Uh, second to that is family law attorneys um, okay. and then the consumers. So, so if you as a realtor read it, you're going to read it um, through the lens of what a of consumer of a consumer, That's which right. is very enlightening. So it's, you know, even though it may not be written to you as a, re as a realtor, it is, um, you will be able to see 
through the eyes of consumers what they're facing and the things that we as realtors need to uh, need to ultimately understand. So the book um, is also a very good uh, gift to attorneys. So um, a lot of our a lot of our experts that are uh, that are with our organization, um, as well as myself, have given it out as an item of value to family law attorneys. Um, and I've had attorneys, I've had judges who have continuously come to me and said that they found a lot of value in it. So it's, it's good, awesome. good stuff for them too. It's a great, it's a great legion piece, but it's also a very good content piece. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think if somebody, now that I know you, Laurel, now that we're fast friends, um, if, if I ever was helping somebody with a divorce, I would just send them a copy of the book because- yeah like the best thing you can do is align expectations with reality. I think that's an amazing gift for somebody who's going through it and giving them the information in the most stressful time of their life, that could be a lifesaver. So I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, real quick, how does this niche work with a, a regular consumer focused model? And then do you stay in touch? What if you have a warring party do you add them to your database and then continue to try to help them buy their next house and kind of serve them? I'm, I'm kind of curious about how you approach your overall business because this is a niche, but it's not all of your business. And I'm kind of curious how that all works together and how somebody might combine their existing business with this niche. Yeah. So good question. Um, so it actually is all my business. Um, I okay. did last year, I did a hundred percent, a hundred percent of my listing or my deals. I didn't work anybody. A hundred percent of them were divorced. Um, this mm -hmm. year, I think I've got two that are non-divorced, but they're just past client referrals. Um, so, so it is all I do. Um, in terms of working with the divorcing client after, um, that can be a little bit of a slippery slope. So um, I am I am very um, aware that sort of the hand that feeds me are the attorneys. Um, and so I ensure that I maintain neutrality and that I maintain my expertise there. Um, being court ordered to use somebody isn't what everybody wants necessarily. So um, they've got a friend, they've got a family member, they've got somebody else who either they wish could sell the house or is gonna help them um, buy later on. So I do not tend to go after that. Um, it's, it's not uncommon that they try to um, bury the hatchet and I'm part of that hatchet, right? Um, you know, we all have times in our lives where we became attached to a certain person and then later on you see that person on a caller ID call and it's like, oh gosh, it's painful. <laughs> and so it's sort of, you know, I think almost in the same way, even though they have a good experience usually with us, um, I think that they, they equate me as their divorce realtor. So, um, so I typically do not, that's not a piece that I go after. Can you? Sure. Um, but it's, it's not something that I tend to do. How does an, how does a realtor fold this leg into an existing business? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, and I would say that it comes down to, it comes down to time and time blocking and leverage. Um, so the leverage piece, you've got that part handled, right? <laughs> um, and it really depends on 
whether or not an agent is has got you know closes an average of five to ten transactions or if they've got a full-fledged you know they're doing a hundred transactions a year um, if it's the former then um, you know it, it's just about it's really about time blocking I took a lot of the Buffini method because um, I took Buffini when I first was licensed and I took that and applied it to real estate. So when you when you hear about the divorce attorney marketing plan um, that you guys are hopefully going to all download, then you will see that it is sort of, you know, a, a referral based lead gen model that is uh, tailored to, to family law. And there are bits and pieces throughout all of that that you can incorporate leverage. I so, just um, I just thought and this is funny. It's like by court referral only like court is in yeah. brackets you know yeah. <laughs> um i love the buffini model i think it's really great um okay so laurel thank you so much for your time this has been really inf I, I had no idea this thing even existed i knew people did it but yeah. not the way you're doing it so this has been super awesome yeah thank you very very much and i and, and i will definitely say that the ability to succeed when you already have a business going is through leverage. So it's, this is a one, two punch here for you. So awesome. Boom. Boom. A new niche and more leverage. I love it. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for Thank your time. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. Bye-bye.